A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey everyone, before we get into the episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our friend Jordan Brady's commercial directing boot camp. Jordan Brady, who's been on the podcast before and has his own podcast, is a commercial director. He's directed thousands of commercials, he has his own production company, and he's just this unlimited wealth of knowledge. From meeting the right people, to pitching on the job, to being on set and making sure your relationship with your clients is great so that you get more work through them, he knows it all, and he teaches all about it at his commercial directing boot camp. I haven't taken it myself, but I've heard from a few other people that have taken it that it is like incredibly awesome and it's very personalized. Everyone that's in the boot camp actually sends Jordan their work so that he knows what everyone's strengths and weaknesses are and how to help each person get on their path to directing commercials. From what I've heard, it's great for people that are already directing commercials a little bit and are trying to level up, and also for people that have been directing short films and are trying to get into the commercial world. So check out the bootcamp at commercialdirectingbootcamp.com, and Jordan is giving a discount to Just Shoot It listeners. If you put in the code JSI, you will get 10% off, which honestly is better than what the listeners of his podcast get, so uh, it pays to listen to our podcast. Anyway, check it out, Jordan Brady, commercialdirectingbootcamp.com. Thanks. Welcome to the 123rd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enloe. This episode was brought to you by patrons Alex Grabowski, Shane Collins, and Oscar Vaca. Today we've got Carlin Hudson back with us. She's going to catch up with us, and also we're going to answer some listener questions. We answer a bunch of listener questions about IMDb Pro, about making your way as a director who doesn't do comedy, and getting your first job out of film school. It's a lot of fun, and we are excited to get into it. But before we do that, have we told you about our Patreon page? It's growing. It's doing great, actually, everyone. It's a real treat. And we did our first uh, email, like our first patron-only blast, like a newsletter. And so it's just a nice way to connect with the people who are contributing to the show. We figured that that's like a very concentrated group of people who are the most interested in the show. So we kind of are trying to communicate with them a little bit more. But like always, the show is always going to be free. And we really appreciate the extra support to help fund our editors and the website and all that other stuff. And to help us plan this amazing live event that is going to happen very shortly. It's our back to school event. It's going to be done before the end of the summer, we promise. So stay tuned. Cool. So let's get into it. Let's hop into this conversation with Carlin Hudson. Okay, we are here with Carlin Hudson, uh, former guest. Is this your third time or fourth time? It's... 
Who knows? I think third. You think third? Yeah. What it feels I th- like. Because the last time you were on, I was like, this is your 18th time on. And yeah. you're like, dude, it's only the second time. Yeah. So. Got to be my third. Yeah. This is going to be the best one yet. But so if this is uh, a listener's first time with a Carlin episode, Carlin, you lived in Austin. You made a bunch of movies there. Then you moved here. Mm-hmm. And Worked with Richard pick- Linklater. Oh, yeah. McConaughey. Best friends. <laughs> no. Like, I don't know Matthew McConaughey. Um, and now you are directing a bunch of things. You just finished directing a show for Brett. Uh-huh. First episode just got a million views. Magically. Is that right? A million views? Well, I think we're like technically at nine. Nine million? Or 60. Holy oh. smokes. By the time I think this, it'll break. It'll, it should, yeah, it should break a million. It's by the time cool. this podcast comes out. There is this girl on your show. I think I was telling Matt about her. Sophie Dossie. Is That's that, right. Is yeah. That you, am I saying it She's correctly? the real flexible one that was She's on that one. She's the contortionist. Gotcha. Yeah. I was telling Carlin this. I watched the pilot. Matt, have you seen it? I'm assuming you I haven't. Not, no, I've God seen the trailer, it, though. Well, a million <laughs> other people have, so. <laughs> 950,000. Um, yeah. No, no. It's, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but the reason I know about Sophie Dossi is because I was reading the comments and a lot of people were like, Sophie sent me, Sophie sent me. I'm here for Sophie Dossi. And Sophie's not that prevalent in the pilot. Yeah. Yeah, um, because she doesn't make the team till the second episode. Mm. Right. Spoiler, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's all... I ruined it for Matt. Just a tiny bit of context. <laughs> she almost won America's Got Talent, yeah. right? She was like one of the like second place or something. I think she, I, I don't know, but she was one of the finalists. Yeah, yes. and she can like shoot a bow Flaming, and arrow, flaming arrow yeah. with her feet at a bullseye. On Ellen, she did this thing where, or she showed like what she does on Halloween, which is she like walks upside yeah, down like a spider. she did this almost every day on set. Does she You'd, enjoy it, or is it for exercise? She loves it. I mean, you, <laughs> I, we, I would be like setting up a shot, and she's just <laughs> on the side walking like the, so the exorcist. If it were me, and I was shooting a show, and someone was doing something that they've done over and over and over again, that takes a lot of attention, and that person has an expectation of, it would be like doing the same comedy bit over and over again. Yeah. Even if they're super funny, if you're like, dude, I've like heard this bit every fucking day for 40 days of shooting or whatever it is, I would be like, yo, cut that out. I am over it. Try directing a show with 22 cheerleaders. I mean, sure. every single day. Right. It was like, half of them are like vloggers and, and sure, influencers. Sure. Yeah, they're just doing all this crazy shit all day and you just kind of like tune out that when- on the side of the set, they're just like... Throwing each other in the air and doing like a thousand. Yeah. Dude, when I... Totally <laughs> hazardous behavior, yes. too. Yes. Right. Like, it's funny to have kind of like that circus in the background. It's like what you see on fake movie sets in movies sounds yes. like what your set really was like. It really was. And there's a scene where uh, a bunch of cheerleaders were in the pool. Mm-hmm. Boy, was that a nightmare. Oh, man. <laughs> It's such a nightmare. Because the second you turn around, they're just doing all the shit in the pool, and you're yeah, like, like, okay. Like, 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 please, and they're the also pool. kids, right? They're ki- Most of them were, they were like 16 to 22. Sure. Right. Kids. Kids. Yeah. And they, they're they professional cheerleaders, most of them. Right. So they're really good. And then they just like to show off and one-up each other, and they would do like, one guy would do four black flips, the other guy would do five, and... You know, yeah, it's a it's a miracle. I went no through a backflip phase. Okay, I get <laughs> sure, it. sure, yeah, in your early twenties. Uh, let's let's back up just a tiny bit and give a, Carlin a little bit of context about the show that you wrapped and is now out and getting millions of views. Yeah, I was hired to write and direct eight episodes of this 
series about competitive cheerleading. And it's called Boss Cheer? It's called Boss Cheer. And that's the name of the the cheer squad is Boss Cheer. I see. And they were hot pink and black. It's real fun and girly. It kind of has like a pitch perfect sort of tone. Mm -hmm. I guess I could say it's starring influencers Mm -hmm. and professional cheerleaders, including... Tony G. Fresh, the choreographer of Bring It On 1 to 6, was our choreographer, <laughs> which That's was cool. amazing. And he was the real deal. Yeah, so it was like cheer and dance. And So when you have Tony choreograph stuff for you, how involved are you? Pretty involved. I was at rehearsals the whole week beforehand, which was so fun. But are you giving him the plan? Are you like, this needs to be like a good one, and this is a bad one, and here we have to have a fall or a break? Yeah. Or- this Actually, is an emotional, yeah. like kind of giving him the emotional beats to hit? Or? On some of it. he He's such a pro and he's done, he's the cheerleading choreographer. He does all of the cheer stuff, so he knows way more than me. But I also had done so much research about competitive cheerleading in particular, which is very different than high school cheerleading, mm. that I would say, I want another, I want a higher basket toss. Can we have a pyramid with six people? And so he, you know, I, I sort of had the knowledge to say, Let's like up the the ante of the level of difficulty in this routine, and and then they're halfway through. You know, they have a performance that doesn't go so well. So we work together to choreograph. Like there's a part where this guy flips into a bucket of soccer balls, and so we had to work that into the routine and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, and are yeah. there like any scripted injuries? Yes. And was that hard to do? Um, we'll see. I haven't cut that episode yet. Oh, <laughs> oh, are you I, not done editing? No, they oh. come out. Um, this Thursday is the fourth episode. Oh, they nice. come out every Thursday. At oh, 3 I thought PM. I was under the impression you were done. So no, you're still in the edit room. I'm still in post. And this how, morning I gave a bunch of notes. Oh, how much time of your week is spent on the, that show? Their post is in Santa Monica. So I really worked on the pilot with her. But after that, I've just given remote notes. So I give pretty, like, super intense, two rounds of pretty intense notes. Right. And Santa Monica. Uh, is like five miles away from here, a.k.a. three hours. So far. <laughs> it's the, literally 10 miles away and it takes you yeah. 45 to it's, an hour. I mean, at least. Yeah. One With way. no traffic, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and the timelines are just so are, are so nuts because tonight I'll probably get a cut to watch after I get home from mm-hmm. doing this. And then we have to lock by tomorrow morning because then it goes to color and sound tomorrow and then it comes out on Thursday and it's just a very quick... Yeah. Process. Right. So when this episode comes out of the podcast, there will still be a few episodes left mm-hmm. to check out. Yeah. So every Thursday. Do you guys get a billboard? I no, feel like- I don't know, but they do have some billboards. Yeah. Brett, have you seen I them? I saw a Brett yeah. billboard. Yeah. I was like, if that was Carlin's billboard, oh, I would photograph so it and cool. send it to her. <laughs> yeah. A show, because I, I wrote two shows for them after I wrapped Boss Cheer production. Mm-hmm. Total Eclipse, which is one of their popular shows. I saw the billboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not credited because I was just one of the two staff writers, gotcha. but I, I broke the third season. No, but second still. season and yeah. wrote some scripts. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. how, and wait, so you're, are you on salary there? Are you full-time no, employee? No, I, I, two, mm, two weeks ago, I, I did not renew my contract. Oh. Because I was on, I, I would only sign a two-week consulting contract because mm-hmm. I just was like, quite sure how long i want to do this Mm -hmm. it was it's great but it's you know very specific teen content and Mm -hmm. you know sometimes you don't want to do that forever yeah you kind of uh get what you can out of it yeah and was it were you 
that's that. Were you learning? Like, was it a good experience from like the writer's room point of view and all that stuff? You know, it actually was because the head of the company brought me in and he said, Carlin, like, you've got to be in the room. You know, you, you've been in a room before. And I was like, Hmm. No, you're I like, haven't. You're like, I have been in a room. Yeah, I was like, like no. Like most people. Great. I have not cool. been a staff writer. But um, it was cool. It was pretty small. And then the for Total Eclipse, which is the show I was on for the bulk of six weeks, I also did their hit show, Chicken Girls. <laughs> this is so silly. But uh, What we're laughing about, though, like a million views on an episode. Chick- no, Chicken Girl, the Chicken Girls movie just came out. Yeah. It got eight million views in one day. Yeah, so that's so... And that's like a network TV show. Does it show. cost money yeah. to watch? Sort of views. No. That's okay. what this company's doing that's different than other uh, shows that we've been up for and have done, yeah. right? Because they're just putting it out for free. And they're getting ad money. And actually, my show just got sold to Snapchat. And it's oh, the cool. first series of theirs that Snapchat is licensed. So I'm sure they got... I didn't see any more money from that. I called my manager and I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, cool. we don't. That's it. Directors but, uh, like do not get much money after the beginning. Non-DGA directors. Non-DGA. I do have a clause in my contract that if Posture gets a second season, I get sort of a chunk of change mm-hmm. regardless of if I'm involved. Oh, really? Which is nice. Yeah, that's, that's great. cool. Yeah. Wish I had that. I know. You should show. have had that. Well, now you new know. form. The company that did it is like really, their their legal team is like really black and white. You know, they're like, this is these are our terms. If you don't want to do it, don't do it, and oh, they'll wow. like call your bluff pretty much like huh. instantly. I did. You've done a new form show. I, I yeah, I've done a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't get paid if there was another season, would you? I don't think so. I don't know. Hmm. I, it was it was a lot of these companies um, know that. Their stock and trade is in young, talented people who are still looking to prove themselves. Yep. And so my attitude with that sort of place is like, get in there, mm-hmm. like gain that experience, do great work that you're proud of and that you can show other people and then get out because you have to have an like an eyes open sort of mm-hmm. attitude about the whole thing. They are giving you an opportunity that no one else will and also... That comes with some strings or some compromises, basically. Sure. So, like, once you've done it a couple times, you know, like I was saying, like, you, you learn what you need to learn, you get that reel, and then, uh-huh. like, it's on you if you stick around. Because there's yeah. another 25-year-old kid who is, like, so stoked to do this. Yeah, and I don't know if they would have renewed my contract anyways, because I was making more than any other, at that point, was making more than the 23-year-old also in the room, because right. we talked about this. And actually, I was getting, I actually don't care if I, this is public, but didn't I tell you this? I, I told you, so, I was yeah. making less. I, there was three staff writers. At one point, it was three guys and me, and I found out I was making 250 bucks less a week than the guys. And they were all making the same? Yeah. And yeah. I had already done this show for them. Oh, this is after Boss Cheer. Yes, this is after Boss Cheer. And so I was pretty upset and called my managers, and they took care of it. But, um... I don't know what Can the point I ask of this was. you um, how but, you found out? Yeah, I, I just straight up because one of the guys they hired was a pretty good friend of mine, and he it was his first job with them. He's great. I mean, he's actually WGA, but um, he I was like, how much you make? I just had a feeling because the mm-hmm. other two guys were a writing team, and so I was curious. What, and they even got paid more than me as a writing team. Mm-hmm. Like they got more than twice as much as you as yeah. a team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that sucks. And because, and what I found out was they started negotiating my contract at a much lower rate than the guys. Mm-hmm. And that is what I was pissed me off. Well, it just is like I should have been paid less. We were all doing the same job. 
Right. Right. Yeah. You should have been paid the same. There's no argument when it's like, oh, it's a room of people. They all have equal experience. Right. Like, there you go. Yeah. And so it it got fixed. Um, There's like a guy at that company who works elsewhere and isn't totally involved in the day-to-day. And so I don't even know how much they were. I don't know how much everyone knew about salaries, but... It's kind of interesting. I, I'm, as y'all probably know, I'm pretty open about money because the only people who ha- have something to gain for being secretive are the people who make the most money and shouldn't be having those yeah, salaries. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's a thing that um, is weird for people. Mm-hmm. You know, like I get a little cagey about it. And also I think that sometimes, um, like you're taught not to brag, right? Yeah. And if you talk about a day rate... That can sound like a ton of money and can sometimes be a ton of money, but isn't really representative of all the jobs you didn't get or all the unpaid time that you put into yeah, those jobs. the treatments or, you've written. Or even just the prep time. Like when we say a day rate, like for even for the job that you got, there's a lot of scouting. There's a lot of unpaid mm-hmm. time around that job forgoing all of the things that you didn't get that it takes to actually book that job in the first place. Right. But people want to, like I, you know, I'm part of all these women's groups and they all want to know like generally how much do you get paid as a commercial and branded director? And it's kind of hard to answer that question. But at one point I was getting about 10% of the budget. Yeah. Which seems semi-standard. Yeah. I, I think it's easier to say that. It really the bigger the budget, the budget is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When it's, when the spot is 50 or $60,000 all in, that's a lot harder to take ten mm-hmm. percent of the budget because mm-hmm. it hurts the production a lot more. Yeah. Well, there you is know? the issue when you are asking, like, I want the steady cam and I have to have this thing and I have to have that, and they're like, "Well, we can take it from your line," and you're like, "No, take it from <laughs> your line. Like, take it from the producer line." Have right, you ever right. said yes though? Uh, yeah, I have. I've been in a couple situations where. I'm sure this happens to all of us, but you basically start on the job before you have negotiated like how much you're getting yes. paid. Mm-hmm. Because that's how every job is here. Like, hey, can you just send us a sample? And say, oh, can you just write this thing up? Can you just send? And yeah, you're, you're, and you're like no three yeah. weeks into it and you're like, um, you finally get the job. And you're like, hey, by the way, how much am I getting paid? And they tell you and you're like, oh. And they're like, <laughs> is that okay? And you're like, well, you know, I just, I guess I figured I did this other job with you. It was a two-day shoot. This is a four-day shoot. I thought it would be twice as much. Mm-hmm. I have to travel for this. I didn't have to travel for that one. And then they're like, well, let, how about after the job is over, we see, let's, we'll try to pay you this much more or something. So mm-hmm. I've, I've had those negotiations a lot. And it's, it, you're right, because like it sucks to negotiate your salary before you have the job because yeah. you're always afraid that, the negotiation might is what will give your competition the job, you know? But does yeah. it ever? I don't think I so. I don't think so either. I think that's a hard no. Yeah. No, I, let's say like our friends at Sawhorse, right? They, a lot of times they'll have three directors up for the same job. If one director, if they're like, these two directors want five grand and this third director, you know, we already agreed to 7,500, but he's complaining. He says he demands 10 grand. And and they're all three equal, you know? Let's say it's like the three of us up for a job. Like, there's no, it's not, you know, we all have our special skills, but at the end of the day, in Sawhorse's eyes and, like, Eben's eyes, you know, we yeah. could probably mm-hmm. all do the job. Yeah, I mean, I think you there's think that a reality where out. the three of us are all on that same list all the time, like, mm-hmm. pretty regular. I think, like, literally. Literally probably. right now, I think we're on a list for a job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, like, <laughs> like... I don't want to talk about Sawhorse because, like, because right. of those, that's a conflict of interest a little right. bit. But I think that 
I think that there's maybe a perception of like someone being more expensive or finicky or hard to deal with. That perception is separate from that. That keeps you out of even getting bid on certain jobs. Like mm-hmm. if I was like, "Hey, Eben, I'm not going to do your fifty thousand dollar job. Don't fucking call me for that. Um, call me for that. It's fine." Yeah, we're um, all like, well, "I would take <laughs> yeah, the <fine>. job." <laughs> um, but but if you're that sort of person, right? Or or if they perceive that uh-huh. you're that, you don't even have to say it. I have DPs like this. I have one particular who's like the yeah. best DP. Yeah, you love that DP, but he's a real pain in the ass with budget. And yeah. so if it's, it's low, if it's too low, I'm just not going to even bother. So when you get the big job, though. Who do you think of? Him. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I think that there's that. Yeah, but but we, I think if we are all on the same list, I think that if you make a thousand bucks more than we do, I don't think it matters at all. To Sawhorse. Uh, to in general to a, a company that is hiring people like us. Once you're on the list, so you it's guys so, so if hard I make to twelve sell, fifty and you make two fifty and it's a three thousand dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that, that's a different that's like right, crazy right. no though. i'm just kidding yeah it, but 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 if you literally make five thousand dollars and i make 2500 i don't think the budgets are big enough that i don't think it, they'll, they'll figure out a way to find that money yeah i yeah. guess a mm. lot of i mean maybe it's just me i'm pretty sure it's you guys too but when you know you're up against other directors you're trying to bring like positive ideas like hey i've actually shot at that place before oh i know this actor that's great for that you don't come in with like hey um i'd like to get paid more you know um well but or I think- like i really need the money so <laughs> you know <laughs> that's like ne- instant, i would never instant say don't get yeah, the job yeah, yeah i would never say never always have to money. act like you don't need the money especially when you need it especially <laughs> when you need it so bad <laughs> Um, this is turning into a money conversation, which right. isn't bad, actually. Well, I, I do want to say one thing, though, which is kind of what I've, over the years, come to do, which is I'm like Carlin in talking about salary very openly. And I think part of having this podcast, Matt and I talk about this all the I mean, off the mic usually, but like, hey, how much does that pay? How much does this pay? Mm-hmm. Like, So I'm super comfortable talking to other like directors or whatever person is doing the same job as me about the salary. But... I wouldn't be comfortable like telling a crew member on a commercial how much I make because I oh, right. because no. they might hate me, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I yeah. went overtime or they don't like how I'm directing. Like there's, you know, and they don't yeah. know that stuff. So to me, it's like when you're among other people that are doing similar jobs, that's who you talk to about rates. I, I hear that loud and clear. And up until pretty recently, 100% agreed with that. I was at a party the other day with a friend of mine who has shot for me plenty of times. And I was like, Hey, how much should you make on that thing we made? And, um, he made the same as me, Mm. the DP, the DP, the DP. And, uh, I was like, Oh, how many days was the shoot? Was it one or was it more than one? It was more than one. Yeah. It was more than one. So, and that's how it it ended up. Like, I think on a, if you're on a commercial or a short, like a branded thing, a director tends to make a heck of a lot more than everybody else because but you're on spending the longer stuff ten to twenty times as much. Carlin, you're not. Are you making a day rate on all of these editing? Absolutely not. I'm not so, getting paid for post either, like, and, which is why I'm not driving to Santa Monica. And how time. long ago did you wrap? Month. A month. A month ago, and mm-hmm. so and you you're halfway, two thirds of the way through the edit right mm-hmm. now, right? So like you've got 
conceivably at least two more weeks, maybe even two months of unpaid a month, work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two months of unpaid work. Easy. When you Plus st- I wrote it. Right. You know. There you go. So then but you, you got do that paid for the writing. I got paid separately. for the writing. Yeah. But and the writing like, was so fast. At least I got paid well for that because they were like, well, you have to have all eight scripts this week. And we were like, oh. oh that is that is an advantage of below the line work. Like you're never, you always know how long you're mm-hmm. going to work. So your yeah. rate might suck, but it's for one day. And if as a director or writer or whatever, producer, sometimes your rate is like, okay, but then it stretches out over like 10 months. But aren't you glad you have that information that he made? Or are you not? I don't know mm-hmm. i haven't decided yet mm-hmm. but so for i think people below the line department heads tend to make between 350 and 500 bucks a day basically right on a non-union on a non-union semi-premium sort of thing right and so you know you can you like a little bit of prep maybe a tiny bit of wrap out and that can add up pretty fast on like to a, not that a much less show. than yeah the director makes yeah yeah exactly in terms of like a day rate mm-hmm. yeah but i am not to bring it back to my situation but i am so glad that those guys were honest with me because yeah once they found out that i was making less they were also like that's bullshit why yeah, and i'm yeah. like i don't know i don't have it i don't have an answer yeah and i'm glad that you know we talked i'm glad i asked <laughs> i yeah. just asked yeah you know what I mean? they didn't have to tell me yeah yeah totally and I, and it's good right it's like, good Spe- that that is the best example too of like that's an apples to apples comparison, right? And not so most directing easy. jobs aren't. Yeah, right. that's true. But yeah. that one was. Yeah, but also you know, your your point is totally valid. Of like, oh, like we're protecting the people who are paying us, right? And um, there is some intrinsic, right? Um, but you don't want them to be upset with you either for divulging information. Well, if they have something to hide, that's when they're going to be upset. Right. If they have nothing to hide and they're paying people fairly, then they shouldn't be upset. Yeah. If the, it's like, oh, industry standard, 10%. Yeah. Easy. That's an easy answer. Yeah. I hate to sound like a socialist. Not that I'm not. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, um, yeah, I just think especially for underrepresented communities, like you, you have to talk about it because people get paid less. And I don't even know. I don't think the guy who was negotiating my contract thought, I'm going to pay her less because she's a woman. I just think that. He just naturally decided to start my contract at a lower rate. Yeah, I mean, their their thinking is just like, what can I get away with Absolutely. paying this person? Right? So, like, all of those biases are kind of, like, internalized, but it's like, oh, okay, like, wh- what can I, what's the lowest I can get all of these people for? Right. And there yeah. was also some women younger than me, women writers in the room, that I wanted to know how much I made so I could help them get there what mm-hmm. they deserve too. Because I was like, you're not going to fuck over this 23-year-old, you know? Because sure. yeah, she yeah. doesn't know any better. I didn't know any better at 23. Right. Yeah. That's why there's, you know, the favored nations mm-hmm. helps too sometimes. And unions, right? right. And unions, yeah. yeah. When are we going to join the DGA? Yeah. <laughs> are so you thinking about it? I'm not yet, no. So favored nations, for our listeners, if you don't know, is when you basically agree that everyone gets paid the same amount. Everyone in the same position. So like if it's with the actors, all the actors will make the same. And then you just give them a producer credit and a bunch of more money as mm-hmm. a producer. Yeah, but there's their back doors to fixing all right. that. Yeah. yeah. But does that count on did yeah, I guess that yeah, I guess they had that on my show too. Favored Nation. And then some people got producer credit. Yeah, yeah but it, Favored Nations is nice for the producers also because they're like, hey, we're not negotiating. This is everyone's getting the everyone same. Everyone gets this. Yeah. yeah. And it's a take or to leave it situation, and plenty of people just leave it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know. Well, anyway, we've been talking a while, <laughs> catching up about 
Carlin's show, which is fun. But we do have some listener questions that would be awesome to get to. Yeah. So our first question is from Diona McMillan. And Diona says, hey, guys, I'm a film director and writer, and I'm wondering if you all use IMDb Pro. I'm relocating out to L.A. Awesome. And I'm at the point in my career where I want to find representation. So I've been considering getting IMDb Pro in order to research agents. I'm wondering if you all use the service, and if so, what for? Thanks. Um, well, thanks for writing in the question. Uh, I think my, so my, I have a two-part answer. My answer is yes, I do use it. I use my wife's account. Uh, it's a little Netflixy, I, I would say, in LA, right? Is yeah, that, am I, I divulging too much <laughs> information? Um, I pay for my own. But you thought it was only $10 or something. It's $120. I know. <laughs> but, you, but does Chrissy <laughs> use yours? or do No, you? she has her own as well. Because and you here's have why. to have the pictures. Yeah, exactly. So so the big oh. advantage but for not sharing an account is you can upload photos. And so oh, right. if you IMDB Vanity. myself and Oren, I have pictures up and you don't. The reason I know that is because yes. I, I emailed this. And is back. it? But the pictures thing, I, I'm still on the fence about how important it is. I... um. Look, if you look at any like agent roster, uh-huh. most writer directors don't have a photo up. Mm-hmm. So it's not, I don't think it's a deal breaker. I don't think it's like essential. So, like, Diona, if you just want to like partner up with a buddy and like, you know, you steal, pay 60 bucks. steal, and uh, uh-huh. not that I'm endorsing doing that, but I've heard that some people do that. Um, yeah, that's totally it. The yeah. photos are not like essential um also the person i was sharing an account with uh, she paid for it the first time i don't share an account anymore actually but when i did uh whenever i'd make an update she would get notifications because it's under her email address so that was pretty annoying um amazon owns imdb now mm-hmm. have they m- merged i don't accounts? know but imdb looks like shit now have you looked at they it they just, had an upgrade they and it just looks did terrible. it today yeah yeah it's a bummer now it looks weird yeah. It's yeah. hard to I wonder navigate. if we'll get used to it later. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The agency and contact information is, is on the it, left yes. instead of the right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> MDB Pro you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. It looks great. It does yeah. not look good to me. Yeah. Well, next time you're on the show, let us know how you feel about the, the design. The interface is amazing. It is so intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so, but I guess the second, my second part to that answer is, I, I guess I'm just curious where... Diona is in her career because I guess as the first step to use it to look for agents and managers or to look for agents as a director seems hmm. like maybe it's a little like yeah. rushed for actors. I, I actually on this job I just did, one of our actresses found her agent through IMDb Pro. She just found like looked up the top 500 agencies and wrote them all wow. letters with postcards and she got like four meetings and she... Got like two offers for representation. She signed with Amazing. one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two parts to this question. Basically, um, is it valuable to look up who is represented by whom and all of that stuff? Yeah, definitely. Right. I think is it a great are, tool, a research tool? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. And like, there are circumstances where if you're trying to cast someone, and like maybe you want to sweeten the pot by like having someone who's also rep by their manager or their agent or something like that. Like, th- there are ways that you can kind of maneuver basically right. I also, thanks to imdb pro are yeah. you going to get signed off of imdb pro no no right well i don't think diona's saying that she would get signed but that she would find an agent to work with through there and i i guess hmm. 
the way I think of yeah. it is like you would find an agent and then you, would you email them and say, hey, I don't here's think, my work? Unfortunately, I just don't think that it hardly ever works. Because, I mean, I don't know how you guys found yours, but I had multiple people at, at with their managers who were signed with them say to their manager, she's amazing, you have to talk to her, and none of that worked. Yeah. It yeah. never worked. And yeah. it, before people tried, maybe? Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a better way. I that's think a better right, way. It's it's just still you know. I'll say I did do one thing with my manager, which is I said, I don't have an agent for like film and TV, and he was like, oh well, are there agents I should reach out to? And I was like, well, let me find other directors that I feel like do the same thing I do that are at mm-hmm. my level or just like a little bit ahead, and let me see who they're repped by. That's cool. And they were basically all repped at UTA, like across the board. And then my manager sent them my stuff, and they're like, we're not looking for, for new clients right now. Yeah. Classic. So, Even if you were the person who is exactly right for them, if you're suggested to them, if it's not their idea, they're yep. not yeah, that's super it. into it. Yeah. You know? It's way easier, I think. Not easier. None of this is easy, but I think if your work is at a festival or goes viral or they see something of yours, that's when people will be like, oh, who made this? Mm-hmm. And that's when the meetings will come. So yeah, I think IMDb Pro is super useful also for just updating IMDb entries. They'll look at the pro submissions yeah. before the non-pro submissions. But in terms of finding an agent, I don't think it's that valuable. Yeah. It's, a, it's, good, it's a good research tool, though, to see what sort of agents and managers are out there and look through the lists. Yeah. Should it's you, it's definitely yeah. worth 120 bucks. I Should think. you get it? Yes. And well, and Diona... I emailed her and was like, oh, yeah, basically answering this question. And she said that it was on sale like last week, basically. And so I think keeping an eye, Carlin's shaking her I head. I feel duped. <laughs> she just paid full I re- I, Like two weeks ago, just paid <laughs> oh, no. Well, bucks. check it out on Prime Day because. There you go. I, I wonder if it'll refund? be on sale. Maybe not. I just paid. Oh, you just paid. I just Never. paid. So you're making re-upped. you're making 250 bucks more a week than you were oh, last week. So I am loaded. You no are doubt. fine. That's two IMDb <laughs> Pro accounts. Maybe you should get me one. I yeah. only got the 250 bump by the way on my last two weeks, which is kind of a bummer. Well, <laughs> and you get a, a dollar bonus for every view on your series, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, oh my god, I oh would be god. buying a house. Yeah. Yeah, just one only, though. Just um, one. <laughs> That's a modest home. Cool. Well, thank you for the question. Let's move on to another question. We're just swatting these down. Boom. So we have a great question from, actually, this one is, comes from Ewan Williams, our webmaster. And Ewan writes, you are both funny with backgrounds in comedy. Do people that aren't funny, period, aren't mainstream funny, or are drama slash horror slash action oriented, etc., make their way into what you do ever? If they do, how do they do it? The majority of your guests seem to have some sort of comedy-centered background slash experience, and all the advice around joining classes and the like is comedy, improv, slash improv-related. And so mm-hmm. what's the deal? Like, can you make it if you're not into comedy? I think you have a better chance. If you're in it. comedy? If you're not in oh, comedy. Oh, oh, interesting. Why, do you, uh, why yeah, do you say that? Actually, real quick question. I have, Carlin, how do you describe yourself as a director? Like, in the, in the like, like... In the way that I'm like, you know, I do like dialogue comedy and Orin's like, I do VFX comedy. I would, I, I just today in an email described myself as for narrative work, dialogue comedy. And also now I can add music with a music Ooh, and dance focus. There you go. That's nice. That's nice. But so you, you still kind of put yourself in the like comedy, comedy and dramedy. Comedy. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's harder to say dramedy because like, I think that's 
what we all kind of want to do. There's more and more, I feel like there's more and more dramedy jobs, though. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I actually feel like I'm up for dramedy stuff lately. Even a commercial, a dramedy commercial, I didn't get it, but... Um, yeah, I think, I, I do think, I like including dramedy because it implies that I also do grounded comedy. Yeah. Well, I, when I say, like, oh, I do a lot of digital and I'm a comedy director, my fear is that people think that I shoot influencers screaming into their cell phones. Hmm. You know mm. what I mean? Like, like broad, like shitty comedy. Like, that's <laughs> my nightmare. Yeah, sure. But, like, when you hear digital comedy, yeah. the worst version is. Why do you right. need to but put you don't digital, say digital in front digital, of it? Do you? I don't say digital, but, like, you know, when you look at my credits, you know. Right, but you're a comedy director. Sure. Comedy director. Yeah, yeah. When yes, I first, this is about Matt and those anxieties. When I first saw your website, I was like, holy shit, he's directed for Key and Peel. I was like, he's the real fucking deal. Yeah, I yeah. I was like, because what does it say? Writer, director, third thing? Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, it's he good. already has me beat. It's a clean joke. Yeah, I feel good <laughs> about good. that joke. Yeah, yeah, that's like rated G, I think. G for good? No, for clean. It's a clean. Um, Sometimes orange jokes, it takes me a moment to catch yeah, up. Yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, um, uh, well, that's nice okay, so how so, can oh, you make it without being a Can you do com- it without being a comedy Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, yes. Yes, I think I think hard yes. I mean, there's... So, I would say most of the TV... Wouldn't sure. you say most TV jobs aren't comedy? Yeah. Yeah, but I think, like, Ewan is saying... I, I guess I feel like everything has comedy in it and everything has drama in it, right? Is Have that... you seen The Handmaid's Tale? Sure, there are yeah, no hilarious. jokes. <laughs> um, of Fred, come on. I think what we're really talking about, though, is... Yeah, that's a great pun. Um, there's a bias in this show. I got show, that one. Right? Like, there's... there right. Because we both come from a similar background, you know, we're pulling in a lot of directors from Funny or Die and College Humor and, like, just, like, the people that we know. Like... That that's just the reality of how we started sourcing people, and I think we really um, made some good strides towards like getting outside of that network because we kind of have running we're running out of friends to just be on the show. Um, but I think that paints an unfair picture of how to make it. It's a it's a fault of the show, really. If I'm being honest, right? Of our mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, let's try to come up with a list of ways we've heard of people making it, right? The number one easiest thing is to get your friends together and shoot something funny that resonates with some people and put it on YouTube and get viral and just become a better and better filmmaker, right? Like, I think there is comedy in everything, even drama. Yes, Handmaid's Tale maybe is an extreme example. Most drama has some levity. But Game of Thrones and Atlanta, they're all like have real funny yeah moments but Atlanta's is a comedy I guess but people get shot and stuff but I guess what we're saying not to split hairs is that like there's a difference between a show that has jokes in it which Mm -hmm. I think we would all aspire to like we would love to direct versus like a Will Ferrell movie right and so like you put comedy comedy funny or die college humor like like a joke a minute a 30 rock episode that's one thing. And then there are things that we would all like to direct that are dramas with jokes in them. Yeah. I mean, is this question more... I might be reading into this a bit much, but I think he has a little self-consciousness about thinking like, you know, I'm not like the funny guy in my group right. of friends. Right. And every... But I want to 
be a filmmaker. I'll and give I am a an example of a friend of mine who does not make comedy at all and is doing better than any of us. Ooh. Um, David Lowry, he, he does not direct comedy. He Well, he directed Pete's Dragon, which has levity. Oh, um, interesting. He is his next movie's Old Man of the Gun. He directed a ghost story. Yeah. Well, Madeline was saying, but do you have to be funny to direct comedy? Oh, to direct comedy. Well, it's well, not no, to... no. I, I think she was two bringing different a, a different, ver- like, yeah. A is comedy the only way, the easiest way in, and B, what if you're not funny? Can you still direct comedy? I That's think. super interesting. I, I think everyone's funny. I guess I think everyone is funny, and everyone can be good at math, and everyone. Like to me, comedy is. Oh, and I cannot be good at math. You could. I really, I, I've tried my hardest. You don't. You well, you don't care hard. about it. But <laughs> I, but I think comedy is about like relatability, right? Yeah, just... Like there's broad comedy. There's like crazy wacky things, but... and then there's. Um, I, I think that a good director can sell a joke in the sort of stuff that we're talking about. Of like, oh, it's a dramedy. You understand human nature. You understand timing. You understand. Terry Malick, not funny. <laughs> Rick's not that right. funny either. But his yeah. movies yeah, but are he did funny. School of Rock, right? And his Dazed movies and are funny. But I'm. But he's not like like none of us are. I'm not. I guess I have done improv, but I don't yeah, actively yeah. pursue comedy as a performer. Yeah, I think it's. I always say I want to be the least funny person on set. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, and you are. So yeah, I, typically, thank <laughs> God. Ooh, burn. No, no that's not I a good joke. It's set. it's kind of true. <laughs> it's not true. Um, that it is the goal, right? Like you want the funniest people to be in front of the camera, obviously. And you hear those stories of like the people who are like so funny that they like they're just untouchable, and everything they say is incredible, and all of that stuff. Uh, and I don't think that that's totally important. Um, but I think there is a big delineation between like a person who needs to be alting every single line and like plussing things, and like, and a person who is in charge of a story and tension and human beats and that those are kind of two different things you mm-hmm. know what i mean i think there's the again it's this there's different schools there's kentucky Fried movie i think you have to be funny to do one of those well movies. that's like wacky sure but what i'm saying or uh, an episode of 30 rock like a joke a minute right also wacky yeah yeah um I guess I thought his question was more like, can you can you make it without I think yeah. doing really yeah. comedy work? No, no, yeah. I, I think that is a question. Maybe we're diving in deep. The answer is yes, you can definitely do it. I think it's a, it's about branding yourself mm-hmm. regardless. Right. But in terms of like, if you want, if you're just starting out or you just moved to LA and you're trying to break in, the other thing I see happen all the time is people make like an amazing sci-fi short or an amazing horror short or mm-hmm. a horror feature. And those way, ways are ways in too. And you can go for straight drama, but no one will watch it. You can, I've, we've seen like stylized thrillers or like heightened sort of action, action sort of stuff. Yeah. It's hard to do a straight drama. Like you should go do like one acts in New York. Yeah. But know, what about like a movie like way. The Lobster? Is that funny? I don't know how those movies get made, honestly. <laughs> I didn't love The Lobster, but I'm not. I guess I'm not cool for not liking <laughs> I, it. I think yeah, no, a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah. But I, I guess I think we talk about comedy a lot because it is a way that forces you to just like have a million ideas real fast. Mm-hmm. We talk about improv because it's an exercise that helps you get into like your writing brain. And you don't, you go to a UCB class, which we're like always suggesting to people on it. I will admit I've not taken many UCB classes, but uh, I know a lot of people that have and half the people in the like beginning improv classes are not 
don't want to be writers, don't right. want to be actors. Yeah. They're like literally college students that are like, hey, I heard this is like fun. Like 101 classes, half your classes, like, ah, my boyfriend got this for me because like I have a lot of public speaking. We heard it was a cool thing to do. You know, like that's a lot of that. And then the other half were actors who said my agent or manager told me to take this class. Yeah, Right, because it's about... so much fun. It's Mm -hmm. about building a community and it's about getting into the mindset of creating and writing and and being okay with like making bad jokes right and yeah. like failing and stuff i think the other thing that maybe ewan is asking about though is that we have kind of unintentionally outlined a a, a little bit of a path for success right where you, you you take these classes and you do a couple videos for a funnier die or college humor and then you get to do a funny branded thing and then you start getting paid to do your work and then you get to do the premium shows and then you you move your way up basically and so i think maybe the other thing he's asking is is how do you do that if you're not interested in or especially skilled at fart joke internet videos right how do you we know how to turn that into career incredibly enough but how do you do if you just want to do straight drama um, and I don't know that I have a great answer. Well, festivals, even though I think it's sometimes easier to program comedic films and festivals, the ones that win are largely Almost not always. comedies. Yeah. 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 Make an awesome short and win Sundance. It's that easy. It's easy. That, it's that Only easy. Only 13,000 people submit to Sundance every year. But let's yeah. talk about, though, because um, this show is about, in a lot of ways, the middle class director. Like the other ways in which you know our peers are making a living doing non-comedic work so there's like a lot of lifestyle spots like you can do a mm-hmm. lot of lifestyle commercials yeah out there. you could be a and more of a visual pieces. person yeah yeah so if you're interested in fine art that's maybe the way to go fashion videos or those are yeah big. animation mixed media documentary mm-hmm. yeah i'm like i think sawhorse right now they have like 10 jobs and maybe like one of them is scripted Wow. You know, it's like all, or like they're all kind of script. They're people talking to the camera, right. you know, doing things. Right. That's like what, if you do a good job, like you have, I have so on your website, those. yeah, like that hockey one, like voiceover with just really pretty shots of people doing things that they're mm-hmm. talking about. Like that will probably get you work better than like a funny s- sketch, right? Yeah. So it's just kind of about how you feel like you present yourself best. And if comedy is not that way, then. Do, there there are tons of thing. jobs that aren't comedy, especially yeah. sci-fi, drama, style. I think there's tons of ways in that aren't yeah. comedy. We just happen to know that path because that's what we have all done. Right. right. Cool. Well, hopefully that's helpful. Thanks, Ewan. Yeah, and thanks, thanks for uh, maintaining the website, buddy. Yeah. So our next question uh, is from Jumai Yusuf. And Jumai says, hey, love your podcast. I just got accepted to the MFA film and TV production program at USC and will be starting school in the fall. And I know Matt is a USC alumni, unfortunately for him. Uh, I'm super excited about film school, but nervous about the huge costs. So my question for Matt is, what was your first job or gig after graduating? How did you make an income and start paying back student loans? Um, and did you, Carlin, have student loans and all I that stuff I do have too? student loans. I, w- I have student loans from two years at NYU mm-hmm. before I went to University mm-hmm. of Texas at Austin, which mm-hmm. I didn't have student loans for because it's way more affordable and you're local right, right. so like in-state yes tuition. that's right so i get state tuition yeah yeah two years of, of nyu i was fifty thousand dollars in debt 
yeah. yeah and now it, I'm I've I've shaved away half. It it is no joke. It is a significant thing. So if you don't have um, scholarships or if you don't come from means, it's a it it is a real decision for sure. I it's a funny thing to say, but it's not a joke. I'll be fifty five when I'm done paying off my student loans, and I. I'm super grateful for that education and really loved it. Um, but it is a major life decision that uh, I'm glad that Jamae is um, going to grad school mm-hmm. because I think that it's a little bit more of an informed decision in terms of like what you're taking on and things like that. Like to be an 18 year old who's like, I'll take on $75,000 worth of debt. Let's yeah. do it. Because um, there'll be a company that will lend you that money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Sally Mae is like, here you go, take it. So how do you how do you start paying that back? You know, those first couple jobs are going to be challenging. You're not going to get like a super lucrative backup job early on. You know, like you you are still start starting at the beginning. It's like mail rooms, it's assist, assistant work or crewing, kind of whatever path you want to take, but there is a built-in um camaraderie and system and pedigree that comes from having um a USC or a UT or a UCLA um, attached to your name, you know? So it's hard. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's not a great answer basically. Yeah. You I know, do th- it took me 10 years before I was directing professionally in any capacity. I do think one skill, I mean, I always say this, but I think the skill that you can get that will lead to the quickest paying work is knowing how to edit, you know? And I mm-hmm. think, you do like five free jobs off Craigslist or for your friends or whatever, and you'll get a paying gig and it might not pay amazing at first, but to me, editing is the easiest way if you want to still stay creative and Mm -hmm. get a paid job because people, I wish I would have done that and I didn't. Yeah. Well, writing is much harder, but if you can break into that, I can get paid more eventually. Yeah. Or even it's like you're a little closer to the directing I think you're creating the story in the beginning. Yeah. Well, you're, well, you're, you're marketing yourself better than an editor can. Right. I think there's really a question of the difference between like wanting to make money and what you cap out at with that money and how much you want to guide your own career and the things that you were making. Right. Because I think that editors can make a great living and you know, who knows at the end of, my lifespan and, you know, Jody McVeigh Schultz, who edits a ton, who, you know, we were contemporaries. Like, I bet Jody will probably net out making more money than me because he's been professionally editing awesome shows for a long time. But, you know, there were some shows that he didn't like at all and, like, kept cutting, basically, mm-hmm. and, like, had to make some hard decisions to pivot out of that stuff. He and loved did it. Duck Dynasty, though, right? Oh, my gosh. I worked on A&E's second highest rated show behind Duck Dynasty, oh, Shipping Wars. I was a field, oh. field producer. <laughs> That's cool. Go That's A&E. another way. Yeah. I mean, unscripted. Yeah, if you, if you go into cool. unscripted, you can make your cash. Yeah, I yeah. made more money when I was 23 and 24 doing that than I have. This year, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. What. Yeah. I made yeah. more that, that year. Yeah, yeah, and that's creatively fulfilling in a sense, right? If you, yeah, whether you like the show or not, like you 
determined storylines. You mm-hmm. were in the shit, you know, Saw like the, the country following truck drivers yeah. around. I mean, you learned how to tell a story where yeah, there was no true. story. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to execute beats and negotiate with the network and the producers. And there, there was a lot of managing personalities that was actually yeah. quite useful. Yeah. That's a real trial yeah. by fire. I didn't realize you did yes. field producing. Yes, I think I Abby yeah. Fuller, who was on our show, kind of started in a similar way mm-hmm. and ended up directing like chef's, chef's table. table and, that makes sense. All that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other, I was thinking the other day, like a business you could start pretty easily is putting actors on tape for auditions. Mm-hmm. It's like takes yeah. almost no equipment and you just read with actors, put them on tape, put it on Vimeo or whatever, get a Vimeo Pro account and a nice LED light or something, you know? So and to me, microphone. that that falls in the same sort of realm as like crewing where there's a very clear cap to how much money you can make. You know, your day rate mm. can go up, go up, but at a certain point, there's only so much that an AC can make or only so much that the yeah. best boy makes or whatever, you know. I guess there's, there's only so many right actors you can put on tape in one day. There's two types of jobs. There's the one that kind of pushes you forward into your career and that's the one where like you might need to take an unpaid internship or work in the mailroom or whatever. Um, and then there's the job that kind of makes you money, but still keeps you in the film industry, which I think is like that, like crew work or doing yeah. something like that. I mean, the the real truth is like you'll find your way. And like there are a lot of things that are going to surprise you along the way. You know, you're going to find out like, oh, I hate editing or, oh, I love editing. And that's my dream. And like you can make a good living in any department. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Just kind of get in, get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to meet like people. try meet people, try things out, make cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't spend too much on your thesis film. Seriously, I, that's y- a big mistake. Yeah, and, and I've did seen. That? I no, I I was undergrad. Yeah, but I've seen plenty of super duper talented people get told that your thesis film is going to be the thing that makes your career. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so it can be romanticized and seductive to be like, all right, I'm going to like, this is the chance. This is my shot. I haven't seen a a thesis film make someone's career ever. I think I have. I think I have too. I'm just trying to think of examples. Madeline is also saying that she overspent on her. Yeah. Madeline is like, (laughs) she's on the computer, like screaming, like, no, stop them, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen, I have for sure worked on a student film that made the DP's career. Which sure, the that's, USC a, one. that's a different deal, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was like $120,000. But yeah, there's a lot of schools that are down to mm-hmm. um, encourage you to do things the right way, a certain way. And if you have the means and it's right. not a big deal, you know, that's a different story. But like most people don't live in those circumstances. And so, oh, I think you know, West misled, basically. He got like a student Oscar or something. And I think Jessica Sanders, do you know her? Yes, that's who I was. Oh, oh, I think she was nominated she, for uh-huh. an Oscar a student too. student Academy Award for her thesis. For, yeah, so, but it's a documentary, right? It can yeah. help you. No, 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 no. Like a good student, a good thesis, a good short. Like, but you just don't know. But that's, you don't know. You just don't know. It actually, it could be great and it could not hit. The odds of one of your first films being amazing is... Yeah. Would I bet $100,000 that the third film, the first real movie I ever made, was going to make my career? Would I bet 100000 of my own dollars on that? No. No, I wouldn't do that. 
Right. And so, you know, I think just be smart, be tactical. And there's a lot of great ways to make movies that don't cost that sort mm-hmm. of money. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, well, so don't get jealous or nervous when your classmate is like, oh, man, you're not shooting on the, you know, new Super Alexa with the Coke S4, blah, blah, blahs, and my screws, a thousand people. people. There's always going to be those people. And they, they can afford it. And, like, that's not going to make their movie good. And it's not going to make their movie bad. Right. That's all. So go get it. Keep us posted. So our final question comes from... Hey, guys. Oren and Matt. Thanks for the shows. Uh, longtime listener. This is Jeff from Olympia, Washington. Um, and Skybear Media. Just uh, calling to ask you, I'm really curious, um, Oren, that you mentioned in the last show that um, Phoenix is now becoming a new, what, shooting space, whatever. That's very interesting to me because I'm actually from there. So if you can elaborate on that more, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Cool. So Jeff from Olympia and Skybird Media is, uh, thanks for calling us in again. You want to know what the deal is with shooting in Phoenix. And unfortunately, I have not shot there yet. I'm up for a job that I might get that shoots there, but I've not gotten it. I'd heard that Phoenix is a good place to shoot it's like a new hotspot you're trying to avoid unions and want to fly Mm. actors in from la and stuff but fortunately carlin has shot in phoenix i have it's been a few years oh so maybe so maybe it's changed the one thing that i remember shooting about crews are super nice it was hot very hot yeah Um, the rumors are true it is hot right (laughs) it's hot a lot of chain restaurants sure um great tacos though i'll send you recommendations i have some friends in phoenix I'm from Texas, so. And they've got a great sheriff it there. It is a different deal there. <laughs> okay. But the one thing I felt when I was shooting there, there's two things that were kind of interesting. Because there's not, at the time, it's just maybe three years ago, I was doing University of Phoenix videos. Um, Which I'm actually kind of shocked. Everyone is. They're like, wow, you actually did them there. I'm like, yeah, we did University of Phoenix videos I always in thought it's like an online university. It is, but we did a bunch of like corporate videos for them in Phoenix. Sure. At the time, there was only so much crew there, and so people could charge kind of extraordinary amounts. Like mm-hmm. I remember the gri- uh, or like a, a gaffer for a pretty small thing was like, I'm... You know, only will be paid eight hundred dollars a day, and that's that's right. my rate. And, that, and my and I do a six hour day. Yeah, and also the baseball season is a big thing because look, I don't mm-hmm. know much about sports, but apparently it's one of the training centers. Mm. It's like there's one in Phoenix, so half the teams in the baseball league <laughs> in the baseball organization. <laughs> oh god, this is embarrassing. Um, whatever the right. pro baseball teams, half of them the train in leagues. Phoenix. And half of them train somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And during training season, so much of the video and film crews are working on those videos that it was kind oh. of hard to find crew. I was like, what's going on with this baseball stuff? <laughs> right. So everyone's so just booked on baseball everyone stuff. Everyone was booked on baseball I stuff see. for when we were there. And then people charged. Could I was, I was like, more power to you because really we only got three gaffer names and they all charged 800 bucks a day or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. Is it a right to work state? Arizona? Do we know? I don't know. I is don't there know. tax incentives in Arizona now? Is that what you were implying? Well, no. I So I had a shoot that flipped, and um, I oh. guess, you know, a lot of people are having trouble yeah. affording to do union shoots, but they're also having trouble working here without the unions. Mm-hmm. And so what someone had told me is that they heard that a lot of people are shooting in Phoenix now because it's pretty close to here. 
mm-hmm. and uh-huh. you can find some decent locations and I think decent crew. Uh, and maybe it's during the off season or the, the season. baseball off yeah, season, the on season. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when they're not busy, uh, and you can fly in actors and, or you can bring in, Mm. supposedly there's like an okay actor pool in phoenix i i'm this is all hearsay so i don't know if any of this is true but it's what i i heard i can't say i'm very fond of the phoenix international film festival i've gone a couple times Mm. Um, the fifth (laughs) that's not what they call it but um classic orin remark (laughs) and that scene and that community i think is interesting i think there's a little bit of overflow from like new mexico like i think people will kind of i like new mexico people yeah they're weird yeah yeah good way yeah the the sun bakes your brain a little Mm -hmm, bit mm -hmm. yeah like austin heights austin's so corporate now it's a different town I sound like such a cliche. <laughs> you sound like someone from Austin. <laughs> I <actually>. really do. <laughs> yeah, Austin like has really changed. Who moved away from yeah. Austin? Yeah, I, I I left Austin because I was like, cool, this is basically LA. May as well live where more jobs are. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Are you? Can we circle back to that? that uh, well, real quick, Jeff. I hope that kind <laughs> of answered your question. Half answer. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a bit of a thrown away remark. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. We don't know, but if you actually find, have information about it, Jeff, since you are from Phoenix, let us know. Or any other listeners. I actually know for sure there's a few hardcore listeners um, who live in Phoenix. Oh, cool. Yeah. And if I find out anything else, I will talk about it as well. But yeah, I was going to ask you, Carlin, you're still happy you made the move, right? Oh, yeah. This year was the year that I think this the tides turned. This was a breakthrough year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Cemented it. Yeah. This is a tight commercial. And what, what changed for you? What do you think was the thing? I started getting more work. <laughs> That's what happened. Well, I guess what I mean is why do you think you got more work? Oh. Just hmm. like roots or like your reel got better or, I mean, you did sign a new representation. Yeah. I think it's probably really all of the above. It's probably really. all the above. Yeah. I, I also, I think I've talked about this on the show, but Austin is such an easy city to live in. People are so nice. It's a lovely quality of life. And because of that, you can get a little bit, little bit complacent. Mm-hmm. So I had realized I, I had made my feature, but I hadn't made any shorts in a while. I was just kind of letting jobs come to me. My writing was slacking off a bit. And when I moved to L.A., I was like, oh, shit, I've got to get my life together. You got that hustle. I got the hustle. And I made three shorts in a year. Whoa, three? I didn't realize that. I guess in a year and a half. Yeah. Just little comedy shorts. The third one being Nice Ass, which did pr- pretty well. Play, uh, open South by right at South by. Oh, it was the that, opening night. It was the festival. No, no, <laughs> the <ass laughs> open. It premiered three minutes long opening night film. Yeah, it premiered at South by, and is a Vimeo staff pick and stuff. I, it's a running joke. We'll we'll say like, oh, if you need an ass costume, <laughs> please God, someone take it. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to follow in Carlin's footsteps, <laughs> you literally can. It could be any body part, really, any sort of. Fleshy a, breasts, yeah, yeah. scrotum, like a nose. Oh, the butt even. costume yeah, yeah. passes yeah, yeah. for a lot of parts. Could, yeah. yeah, can it look? Does it, can it look like the inside of a, an elbow pit? Absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's a versatile costume. I have a story about an elbow, and I'm I looking hear it. for a good opponent. Great. Maybe your ass costume <laughs> <laughs> can work. Um, well, cool. So I just wanted to close with one final email that we got today. That's just like a thank you email. It's from Alex. Grubaskis, but I think he goes by Alex Gry, Gry, G-R-Y, according to his website. Um, He says, hey, I used film casualty for insurance on a shoot last week off your ad, and it was really amazing. Yay. (laughs) So that's cool. 
uh, Cameron was insanely helpful. There we go. They they got their sponsorship worth of money already. That genuinely makes me feel really relieved because I, I we want our ads to feel like they're valuable to people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so mission accomplished. Yeah. Thanks for letting us know. Um, yeah, and he also says, after hearing Matt's story about sending that email that you've been procrastinating on, on to get things moving, I was inspired to hit up a network contact I'd lo- lost touch with and had been putting off reconnecting with, sent that email, and it kicked off a whole flurry of activity. But now I have things going on with them. Cool. Um, so, plus your guests have been crazy dope lately, especially tonight's guest. Thank you, Alex. Um, <laughs> anyway, he says, thanks again for everything. <laughs> Hope to make the next live show, which is something we are actively Ooh, working on. I had to miss figuring the last out a date. One. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should come to the next one. I will be there. Anyway, yeah, thanks, Alex. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean... Sending, like, when all else fails, email everyone you know. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, or and don't expect responses from all of them or you will be disappointed. <laughs> yes. And keep it positive, too. Yeah. Don't email them asking for a job. Email Seriously. them telling them they have an opportunity because your schedule just opened up for two weeks. Yeah. There is a real skill to, like, asking for work when you need it. Mm-hmm. That. I'm not sure I figured it out, but I'm happy to hear your tips. I don't know that there's really a perfect way to do it. Mm -hmm. The best way is to either make a new reel, make a new website, or make a short film and show it to people. And update them. Yeah. 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 That's true. Come up with a a reason to show people something. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Carlin. Oh, should we do unpaid endorsements? We should. (gasps) Unpaid endorsements. Ooh, Carlin, if you've got one locked and loaded... Let's hear it. Yeah, I do. It's a kind of a two-parter, but uh, there's this book that I've been reading called Deep Work. Mm. Um, I can't remember the author, but it's more of a the concept of deep work, meaning totally unplugging and learning how to refocus in this kind of era of distractions and how emails and certain things can mm-hmm. disrail you in a real big way. Yeah, I've just been putting aside a certain number of hours each day to do my deep work and i use this program called inbox pause by boomerang and you can mm-hmm. pause your inbox like and, your regular like the yeah, mail app gmail. on your phone oh yeah your, or gmail on yeah your computer. gmail or yahoo or whatever but you can also it's pretty advanced like if you like i would i have stuff for this job and so if if certain email addresses you want to come mm-hmm. through you can program it to have except for these people who i would still like to hear from mm-hmm. and so i've been really unplugging for a few hours each day because of this book deep work and because of inbox pause Ooh, cool mm-hmm. yeah double whammy i, it. I like that I, how many hours do you unplug for i'm at two right now that's pretty good but i'd like to get up to four yeah that's my goal it depends what we're you know yeah what yeah you're doing. sure yeah I think they're like figuring out the sweet spot of how many hours you can be productive writing wise for, mm-hmm. I think is a thing that um, I've been thinking a lot about. So actually dovetailing off that, um, I started listening to uh, a book called uh, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. Ooh, yes. Oh, Orin, do you like it? Did I, I get bet them? you I found out about it the same way you did. Mmm. Remind me, maybe I don't know how I figured it out. Brian Koppelman. Yes! Yeah, good one. Who's yeah, yeah. That? So, um, <laughs> the last episode, was it last episode? On a recent episode, Gareth Emery, um, who was the just star uh, and uh, one of the writers of uh, CVNT5, recommended these Vine, a compilation of Vine tips, basically, from this writer, Brian Koppelman. And one of them was talking about this book. And so I had a spare Audible credit. 
and started listening. Cool. Um, and he does really talk a lot about running, like a surprising amount about running. So it's it's by um, Haruki Murakami. I don't. No, no, no. Um, but I love like a good meditation on um, deep thinking uh-huh. and like personal insight. And he's, you know, a famous writer. So I was like, oh, this is something that I would be interested in. Um, I'm sure Madeline is uh, typing right now because she's a runner. And um, what's the name of the book one more time? Uh, what I talk about when I talk about running. I want to check that out. So, yeah, it's about running and also the nature of writing and self-discipline and all of that stuff. Um, and so, yeah. Similar kind Similar of thing. Yeah, yeah, similar books. And then I feel like I had something else. Sorry. It's just not to sound too woo-woo, and I'm really not, but it. Do- I have noticed my anxiety decrease in a big way by not checking my email so much. Mm-hmm. Because what do we... Che- I'm checking my email to hope that like a job came through. Or who-, who knows, it, I, right? It, it, it's the endorphin kick. Yeah. That's the real thing. It's like yeah. you want to feel a little bit better, like a little bit validated of like, oh, someone wants to work with me or like right. money is coming in or whatever it is. Like that's really why I check my email. Me too. But right now, not to, I'm trying to develop a couple things because that is my long-term career plan and I have to keep that in mind. But in the short term, it's so much more fun to check my email and get that high of right and yeah. not set aside time to focus. And that keeps you from actually doing the work that you yeah. want to do. I derail very easily too. Yeah. I need all of these tools. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so uh, the the other thing that maybe they talk about in the book or maybe it just has come back to me is um, stopping before you're completely done, mm. right? So when you're writing, do a, a substantial amount of work, but don't you know, let the gas tank empty out. Because then when you come back, you don't know where to start. But like if you're kind of in midstream, basically, then it's so much easier to jump back into it. Cool. So those are the things I've been obsessing over um, and checking my email. So I can't wait to not do that. So much fun. Cool. Well, I will double dovetail off of that with another two-part endorsement that's related. It's like, this is like writing 101, but for some reason... I think I watched these Brian Coppelman vines and also got inspired. And he mentioned the morning pages from the writer's sure, way. Yeah. You guys know about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, from Artist's Journey. Oh, I like the it's Artist's Journey. It's not the journey. writer. Or the, art, the, the, yeah. artist's artist's way. Way. the Artist's Way. The Artist's Way. way. That yeah. book's great. Sorry, The Artist's Way. She talks about writing just three pages as soon as you wake up. Mm-hmm. Just write three pages and don't even worry what you're writing. But it's about she calls them your morning pages and she says it's like morning like m-o-u-r-n-i-n-g it's like getting all the junk off your brain hmm. and into a place where you're ready to be creative she recommends you do it longhand on a notepad but i just i like literally don't even know how I to know. write with my hand anymore <laughs> so i was typing it and like text edit and trying to different find different programs and there's this website it's called 750words.com do, have you heard of it chrissy is a lifer Oh, really? Yeah, my wife, like, she's about to hit a thousand days in a row. Oh, wow. She does 750 words a day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're like throw, I mean, at least for me, they're like throwaway words. It's like free form. It's like literally like I'm sitting here trying to figure out what I'm going to type today. Yeah. Maybe I'll make my to-do list. Right. Yeah, but do this. You know, I'm really stuck on this part of my movie script. Like, well, here's one thing I can do, but that's dumb. But I guess this is better. Like, literally, it's just like... You're forcing yourself to write, and it's keeping a tally of how many words you've written. So 
Yeah, it's cool. I'm on day, th- I'm on day like eight of the morning pages, but on day three of 750words.com <laughs> yeah, today. And, and they also, they do a little bit of gamifying, right? So you get different statuses. Yeah, you get like badges. You get badges. If That's important. Yeah. I think rewarding yourself is very important. Yeah. And then totally unrelated to everything, Caliphate, the podcast, New York Times podcast, Mm-mm. is so good. I listened to almost the entire thing yesterday. It's like nine episodes. <laughs> Caliphate? Um, yeah. Uh, it's about this New York Times journalist. She covers like the Taliban and ISIS and stuff. She finds a guy, a Canadian guy that was in ISIS, like an ISIS guy that oh, wow. killed people and is back in Canada. And she just starts interviewing him oh, and wow. about his day-to-day life, how he got into ISIS, what he did there, and how he got out. And it's fascinating. That sounds hmm. Anyway, that's it. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams, who sent us a question. Thanks, Ewan. Our producer is Madeline Rosewatt. We're on all the social media platforms uh, at Just Shoot It Pod. Uh, you can tweet at us there and uh, send us any short questions, or you can tweet at me at Mr. Matt Enlow. And me at Smiley Pileg. And Carlin at Hey Carlin. And don't forget, if you have any questions or comments or thoughts, please let us know at JustShootItPod at gmail.com. And leave us an iTunes review, please. Yeah, we love those iTunes reviews. The music that you were listening to right now is by the artist Jazar and was provided by the Free Music Archive. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.